Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Monday, uh, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And of course, by now, you should already know that my name is Andre Anderson. I'm both host and founder of BSTL. What does BSTL stand for? It stands for Building Something That Lasts. So I hope you're doing well, and I hope that you're keeping well, and I hope you're enjoying this transition uh, into a new season. The leaves are beginning to fall off the tree. It's beginning to become a little bit milder um, and a whole bunch of other things. But for me, I'm, I'm okay with that um, because at the end of the day, uh, I like spring and I like fall. So for those of you that are getting the winter blues, um, I wish I could help you, but I really can't. So anyways, I want to jump right into our conversation uh, today. Um, I've got a really good friend um, on with us uh, today. We've known each other, I, I want to say, for well over 30 years. Um, the thing is, she looks a whole lot younger than I do, but, um, well, I won't tell you how old I am in this episode because she's going to be really upset. Um, and we did have her husband on uh, previously um, on this when we met with uh, Sheldon Isaac. We're now going to talk to... Um, his wife, Catherine, are you there? I am here, Andre. And oh. yeah, I think we met back in high school, to be honest with you. That's right. It's, long time, yeah. it's way back in the West Hill days. Now everybody knows that you're a Scarborough person. Uh, so <laughs> don't, don't don't try to come on here and be all bougie and whatever not. Yeah, I guess that's not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Catherine, um, as we are starting, um, uh, I'd love to, if you don't mind, start off uh, this conversation with you, maybe just sharing two things about yourself, uh, things that you might be willing to share uh, with those that are listening. Yeah, I guess the first I would say, because um, I think not a lot of people know this about me, but I am an introvert at heart. I consider myself an extroverted introvert in that I can talk to anybody. Uh-huh. I can talk to anybody and I can talk your ear off. Yeah. But really, I just want to be left alone. (laughs) Like that's really the truth of the matter and how I, um, recharge is by myself. Like even at home, I have a family, I have kids and they know that partway through the evening I'm gone. I'm in my room, reading a book. I'm listening to podcast. I'm cleaning in silence or, you know, I'm watching a show by myself. This is how I function. And I think just, you know, growing up in the church or growing up, uh, in my career, I've learned to talk to people yes. and communicate with people so I can do that effectively. But really, where I get my strength from, my power from is like my alone time. So even though this conversation, we're going to hear a lot from you, and mm-hmm. I know you're not going to believe me, um, but I too am a really big time introvert. Uh, <laughs> okay, sure. I, I know you don't believe that. I mean, you know, you've known me for a long time and I can clown and be front and center, but if there's a way for me to just, uh, be in my own little space, I kind of love that too. So yeah. our, whatever. So we have one yeah. thing in common. Great. Um, so here's the thing. Well, not just one thing in common, but at least on the introvert thing. So in our conversation today, um, in these series of conversations that I have been having, um, I've been focusing on with those that have come on the podcast on uh, this idea around difficult um, conversations. And I know in the world um, that you occupy um, professionally, cybersecurity, 
Um, you know, you've got a whole bunch of educational pieces that are here. And I know if you'd like to, you can share that. I'm going to probably put it in with the blurb um, when I put up the post on LinkedIn as well. Um, but one of the, the, the things that I think leaders, um, we, um, they, they struggle with is this idea around letting people go. Um, yeah. How do yeah. you tell somebody, you know, two weeks from now, tomorrow, next hour from yeah. now, um, sorry, we will no longer need your services. So I thought it would be a great conversation for us to have. And maybe you'd just like to launch out and share a little bit about what you're doing professionally, because I think that's the bridge into the conversation. Yeah. Um, so I work in technology my entire career, 20 plus years. Yes, I'm aging myself as well, has been in technology. And so um, if you're keeping up with what's going on right now, you're seeing layoffs happening like every week. Yeah. You're probably seeing the big names, the Googles, the Apples, etc. What you're not seeing is the small companies that is just happening on a regular basis over the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And this is actually the second time in my career that I've had to like live through a season like this. Wow. Um, the first time was during the 2008 financial crisis. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was like a junior leader mm-hmm. um, running a help desk. And part of my job was actually knowing at the beginning of the day, who was being let go over the course of the day and, you know, assigning people on my team to shut down their accounts and things like that. Oh, wow. And that, that was really stressful for me, even though it wasn't me letting people go. It was the knowing. Mm. The knowing was a lot like, you know, I'm going to see you. I'd go down to the Tim Hortons and there you are buying your coffee. And I know today's your last day. Wow. That really, really sucked. Right. And so. This time being on, and you know, I've let people go over the course of my career yes. and usually that's a poor performer, right? And mm-hmm. it's, it's not as hard to let a poor performer go because you, by the time you're letting them go, you will likely have given them opportunities to improve Sure. Yeah, through one-on-ones and whatnot. They kind of know they're not performing at the level you need them to. And so by the time you get there, it's, uh, you know, we both know this was coming yes. kind of conversation, right? Yeah. I don't blindside people ever. So, yeah. you know, this season is different. <sighs> Wow. This it's any and everybody. Right. Um, it's poor performers. It's the average performer. It's high performers. Okay. And um, the decision just to get to that point to say, okay, this person. Yes. That alone is a tough decision to make because you're literally looking at your team on a sheet of paper right. instead of the human beings themselves and saying, well, that guy can go. Well, that's hard. Yeah. And so for me, um, the knowing is still really challenging. I hate knowing in advance. And it's like, well, we're waiting for HR to put the paperwork together. So it could be a few more days. And it's like, well, I've got to talk to this guy for the next couple of days. I've been meeting with him this afternoon and just not, you know. And so I find that part really challenging. Yes. Um, But in having the conversations itself, one of the things I make sure to do is be prepared. Mm. Really prepared for it. Um, I don't want to go in there without uh, go into that conversation without having all of the points that I'm supposed to share ready to go. And I need to know, especially I'm doing these things remotely now, by the way, because I work um, remotely. Yeah. So I got so I I got a question, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. So I want to start off with the various levels, right? So I think uh, to those that are listening, um, the average person. And the person that is underperforming, I think people understand that. And it doesn't make the conversation 
um, easier. It's just that at least you've got a file that says so-and-so hasn't met the benchmark for the last two or three quarters. So let's start off with the conversation for the individual that's doing well, but for whatever reason, the company has to let him or her go. What does that look like as you talk about being prepared? Like I said, being prepared in that I want them to understand this is not because of you and your performance. This is because of whatever is happening within the economy, within, you know, the business itself, et cetera. That's still a tough conversation to have because it's saying, look, this isn't your fault. It's our fault. Right. As a business leader, this is on us. Right. And so coming in with that attitude is mandatory for me. Right. Like, look, I understand that this is on us. It's not on you. And I'm right. really sorry that this happened. Yes. So being prepared with the words I'm going to say, mm-hmm. being prepared with what the next steps are, um, you know, you're going to hear from HR next and, they're going to you know, share some information with you, but being ready to answer questions that, that the employee might have yes. in terms of, you know, just try and be like, anticipate, sure, anticipate and be prepared to answer that at the same time, mm-hmm. like, cause you want to be honest and transparent, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I do have to think about the legal side of things and you know what I can't share. Right. And so, um, you know, coming off like a human being and not as part of this company man that is out there saying, look, we're, we're in a bad financial situation and we got to let you go. That's not, that's not going to do it. You have to remember these are human beings. I don't always know everybody's life story. Not everybody. You don't know what it's meaning to them that, um, that today's their last day. You don't have any idea what it means. And, you know, we're seeing this rise in just like mental health crises and substance abuse and whatnot. And, you don't know what that trigger is going to be. Right. So those are the things I want to think about going in there so I can be as empathetic as possible in letting this person go um, and listening, giving them an opportunity to ask questions and be um, like I said, as open and and transparent as I possibly can with the situation, but it really does suck. Like there's never one that you can walk away from and go, Hmm, that was a good call. Right. No, it wasn't. Right. No, it wasn't. It was horrible. Right. So those are the things I think about going into it and try to prepare myself for, for what that's going to feel like and be like. So then here's the question, right? And I'm sure that some of it is at your pay grade and some of it is above your pay grade. And we're still talking about the person that is performing, because I think yeah. those are the conversations that most times we don't care about. Is there a way for you as a leader to help rescind Um, some of those decisions or by the time it gets to you because you know one of the things I don't think it's fair um, is is this Kathy that because of where you sit you are literally having a conversation I would imagine from time to time um, that you don't want to have and there's somebody else that has made a decision that you now have to roll out Mm -hmm. so what do you do with all of that yeah not not often when I think about it Mm -hmm. I don't think that's ever happened to me I think that here's, here's how it usually goes down okay. as a, at the leadership level. We're talking about the fact that we're going to have to, we're going to have to cut. Um, that I might get some directives like you need to cut X number of people or you need to cut X number of dollars. And then it's really up to me to kind of present a list from okay. that. Um, that list is generally shared. I like to like, I like to work on collaborative teams. So it might be the entire leadership team right. it might just be me and my boss. And then we'll discuss it. He might veto some or she might veto some or somebody else might veto. Or there might be a, what about so-and-so? And then I have to do like advocate right. for that person if I feel that's right or appropriate. So there's usually conversations. 
I've never been in a situation where it was like, here's the list of people that you, that are going to be cut from your team and you have to be the one to make the comp, the, like to have the conversation. Okay. I've never had that experience. Um, I would always, I mean, I'm the kind of leader though, that I advocate for my team. Right. If I agree with it. Okay, fine. I agree with it and I'll roll with it. But if I don't agree with it, I'm going to try. I'm going to advocate. I'm going to justify why. And, um, if I get overruled, I get overruled, but you know, I always make sure I, I make my points known. So then here's the other question then, um, as you now have to, whether collaboratively or on your own advocate, um, not advocate because sometimes you understand that whether it's a dollars and cents or the overall performance, you mentioned something earlier around mental health. Um, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things that, that, that I think people do take for granted is, um, you have to live with a decision. Um, once yeah. you get to your level of leadership, that's part of what comes along with it. That's part of why you get paid, um, what you get paid. You, you have to live with that decision yeah. from, from a mental health perspective and a leadership perspective, how do you navigate both? Because I don't know, do you go out after that to the keg for a nice filet mignon? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or or are you sitting there scratching your head because you realize the one that you've just now laid off, fired, whatever, they just bought a house in Oakville, right? Absolutely. They just had a baby two months ago. And right. They are already there. And, um, you know, you do have to do that. And there are times, other times outside of laying people off that I have to play the party line, right? Where decisions made that I'm not necessarily happy with. Right. I have to deliver this message Mm -hmm. and that's part of the role. So yeah, you, you have to understand that this is it. Once I say these words, those are my words. Right. Going to have to stand by it. And, um, you have to just kind of own that one way or the other and not go backwards. So yeah, absolutely. You know, some days end with a glass, a bottle of wine being opened up. That's sometimes what it's got to be. But you have to not go back. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know, we stay connected with these people, whether it's on LinkedIn or however else. Right. And you see what's going on sometimes after layoff. Yes. And you can't look at something somebody writes and say, oh, my gosh, that's my fault. That's because we let them go. You can't do that. You can't beat yourself up over it. Or your own mental health is now just going to be destroyed. You have to realize, look, justify it for yourself. This is the reason why it's happening. If you feel like you made a personal mistake that led to this, what's the lesson learned and how how do you prevent it from happening again in the future? Like that's the kind of thing I try to do so that I I can't go backwards. I can't go backwards. It would be devastating. And so you just got to find it, justify it, you know, for yourself Mm -hmm. and, reconcile with that and move forward. Yeah, but here's the thing though, and 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 you mentioned this earlier in the conversation. So one of the things that will happen is maybe sometimes you get the email or the paper um soft or hard copy it's on your desk and you've got to do something today maybe. But generally speaking, you do have um the leverage of having to do this over, you know, a week or 5 days mm-hmm. or 2 weeks, whatever that looks like. How do you how do you go to work? every day and say, Hey, don't forget, uh, I need that document from you by five knowing yeah. that, you know, look, the bus is about to pull into the terminal and this person is going to have to go. Like, 
How do you live with yourself? And I'm not saying that you're unethical, right? Because this is part mm -hmm. of leadership. It's whether you sign up for it that way or not, this is what it is. But yeah. how are you able to, you know, continue to be connected uh, to those individuals knowing that they are going to get walked out of the building? Yeah. Like I said, the knowing is the hardest part for me personally. I hate that part. I would rather just like, don't tell me until the last second. I don't want to know. Right. But I, what I do know as well, though, is that things can change. Okay. Things can change sometimes down to the last minute. Mm -hmm. And so to, for me, it's not done till it's done. Mm -hmm. And so while you're still employed with the company, yeah. I'm going to treat you like you're employed with the company. And that's what I do. Nice. I just kind of stick to work. I will book meetings even, or, you know, ask you for the thing that you said you were going to send or ask about certain things until it's done. Because I know it might sound cruel, mm -hmm. but I know change. Right. I've seen it happen right. at the last minute, the day before the day of where it's like, Oh, pull the plug. We made it. We, we figured something else out. Right. And so I just do it until, you know, until it's done. And I will even say to people, like I was hoping it wouldn't go this way, but you know, unfortunately it has like, I, I never want to let anybody go unless it's like I said, a poor performer where it's better for us to let the person go. But um, yeah, I'll just keep working up until the last minute. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this question, and I hope you can. Um, I know you can, but it's whether or not you want to answer this one. But this is going to be a tough one. So as a woman of color mm -hmm. in the seat that you sit in, does it make it even more difficult for some of these mm -hmm. hard conversations? I'm thinking. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think that because I, I think all conversations for me are, are put through that filter okay. of black woman in tech, mm -hmm. um, hard conversations, conversations where, like I said, I need to advocate for something or someone. Mm -hmm. Um, I always have this filter, right. Where I don't want to be labeled as the aggressive, angry black woman. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, like I said, I've been in my career a long time. I think I have learned to tailor my conversations um, and assert myself right. with the label. And sometimes the label has landed on me anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know if this particular thing makes it harder because, you know, they say that I do struggle with empathy. I will say that okay. um, it is sometimes I'm the kind that's like, I, I will, I, I love you, but please stop crying in front of me. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. Mm -hmm. So, so that's something that, you know, again, over my career, I know I've had to work on. We do these personality profiles or these 360 feedbacks. And that's always been the thing where it's kind of like could be a little more empathetic. So that's something I've worked on over my career. Right. So I don't know if that's a black woman thing, because I think that's a stereotype, too, that we just right. we're a bit tougher on the outside than, you know, we've got this hard. Right. And so that does sometimes come out. But with these particular conversations, I expect I've had tears. Mm -hmm. I've had people, right? I've had people scream and yell at me and call me all kind of words right. in the process of, of letting them go. Mm -hmm. I just don't react. I just kind of, you know, try and stick to the, what I came here to say. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, just don't get, I don't get emotional about it. I don't feel like I have the right to get emotional about it when they're being told that today's their last day. Yeah. It's, um, it's a decision. Right. So let me ask you this question, and I've never asked this question before on the podcast, so this is a brand new one. How mm. does your faith inform how you do these tough decisions? 
Yeah. So I, I mentioned the love part. Mm-hmm. Like it is as, as part of my faith. I need to love people. And I do. I genuinely love people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, you know, coming from a faith that is about loving individuals, it allows me to see beyond the bottom line. Yeah. If we're cutting because of cost, I get it. We have to cut. Right. But this is a human being and not just a line on a spreadsheet. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I can see beyond that. And I think that's how my faith helps me there. And also to, you know, to try and be that listening ear, even though I'm not always the most empathetic, I know people want to talk after that. Sometimes people want to talk Yeah. and they just say what they want to say, not necessarily for me to respond, mm-hmm. but just what they want to say. And I think um, my faith has allowed for some of that too, to just kind of actively listen yeah. without judgment. Yeah. Without, I, I can totally get it. I get it. You're just heard the news you didn't expect to hear today and you got to go home and explain this to your family. Sure. You're going to offload on me right now. Yeah. I can take that without judging you for those actions. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would imagine that, um, there is a, a large piece there as both of us believe in God, believe in Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? There's this thing where grace um, it's the thing that we talk about. We're consumed by it. We recognize that God gives us gives us that, and yet here we are as leaders having to make difficult decisions where we may be perceived as being uh, the antithesis as to what we actually believe based on what the Bible has to say. And that's okay, because like you said, and, sometimes, and you know, yeah, go ahead. I should add that prayer too was a big part of it. it's always a big part of it for me. From the second I hear yeah. this is what. Have to do. I start praying about it. Yeah. I start praying for wisdom. Yeah. Lord, help me to make the right decisions here. Help me to be open-minded and to listen to what other people are saying and, and what's happening. Yeah. And to try and take, you know, I want to have the emotional side for the for the the staff, but I also have to think about the the, the future of the business right. and to just use wisdom and all of that. And then, you know, in preparation for the um actual conversations, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> before every single one of those calls, yes. I'm, I'm sending it up to God again. Help me to just keep my cool, yes. say the right things yeah. and deliver this message with empathy and with love. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I, I don't do those, I worry that, Oh my gosh, I didn't pray about this. Am I making the right choices here? Right. I think the thing has always been a big prayer for me. It's like, I don't want to make decisions yeah. that have negative impact. I need, God, just talk to me right now and like work with me and help me to make those right decisions. Oh, my goodness. Um, there's so many more things. And look, Kathy, you are going to have to come back. And I know you're busy and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that you um, set aside the time. Because, you know, one of the questions um, that I wanted to ask sooner, but we went in a different direction, is the loneliness that goes mm-hmm. along with this part of the decision-making process. Um, because there will be some that will look at you and say, Kathy, you would have known. And you had lunch with all four of us over the last three days. You know, I'd love to hear about that. And maybe we'll have to like hold that off until the next time, because that may be the the part of the conversation that is as meaningful as everything else, because Mm -hmm. there is a there is a measure of loneliness that comes along with delivering hard decisions, especially when you have to let people go. But with that being said, um, I would love for you, if you can, um, to just summarize, um, what's the takeaway you want us to know? Um, Because this is a leadership platform, right? So what's the takeaway um, around these difficult uh, conversations? Yeah, this is part and package 
of the leadership deal. And whenever people tell me they want to move into leadership, they want to move into management or whatnot, I always ask myself, ask them why. Like mm-hmm. management is one of the most difficult jobs I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm good at what I do technically. I'm a techie. I'm great at that. I could have stayed in the tech field, yeah. pushing buttons, flipping switches, writing code. Yeah. And I made this choice. And the hardest part of my job is people management, mm. especially when it comes to either poor performers dealing with difficulties and having these tough conversations. Yeah. I just want to say all the time to people, if you're in leadership or you're, you know, you have, you want to get into leadership, take this into consideration. Yeah. Are you ready for this part of the, 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 the plan, this yeah. part of the job? Do have you worked on your empathy? Right. Have you thought about what it means to to actually um, have people's livelihood um, in your hands? And, um, you know, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this conversation is that it's not all, you know, a a bigger paycheck. (laughs) That's not what it's about. Right. It's I have to deal with staff. I have these people literally in my hands. And like I said, you just had a baby two months ago. Now what? Um, You got to make these tough decisions. So, yeah. And you know what? Um, to the point, um, what people think leadership is, it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not the flex hours. It's not the ability to, you know, be on lunch a little bit longer. It's mm-hmm. this. I think this is where the rubber hits the road. It's the, the the part of your job that you don't love, but it's still part of the job description. Um, Absolutely. Kathy, thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. But the higher you get up that ladder, the less you, that you're doing the part that you love, right. to be honest with you. Yeah. And the more that you're at the decision-making phase and the people-leading phase. And so you really have to take that into considerations when you're trying to move up, when your aspirations are leadership. Yeah. Oh, boy. Kathy, we're going to have to do this again because mm-hmm. there's more that I wanted to talk about, but we've run out of time uh, this week. We thank you for coming on and sharing some of your wisdom And uh, we can't wait until next time. Uh, For those of you that are listening, look, we're having all conversations about uh, leadership. Um, And at the end of the day, sometimes it's not what you think it is, but it is part of the process. And if you feel like you're up up to the challenge based on some of what Kathy has shared, then by all means, go into that room and be encouraged because if God has brought you there, then he'll bring you through it as well. Um, But if you just want to be in there for the higher pay grade, I promise you, uh, it's a road that rarely has a lot of footsteps when you begin to turn around and look at what you've got to do. So choose wisely and choose accurately because you do hold um, people's lives in the palm of your hand based on the choices that you have to make. Until next time, uh, this is BSTL, Andre Anderson. And of course, if you want to have a broader conversation, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Leadership. Bye for now.